Hi, listeners. You may have noticed that we did not release an episode last week. That is because we were participating in the global strike for Palestine, an action called for by Bassan from Gaza and supported by many activists on the ground in Gaza and the West Bank. We want to continue our action by urging our community to do whatever you can to demand a ceasefire in Gaza and an end to the genocide of Palestinians by the Israeli occupation forces. Call and email your government officials, post on social media, have conversations with family and friends, make sure we do not let what is happening in Gaza fall to the periphery. If you're seeking guidance on how you can help, one resource I've been utilizing is the U.S. Campaign for Palestinian Rights. You can find more information and action items at uscpr.org. And if you're looking for organizations to donate to, the Middle East Children's Alliance is one that the Where They May Radio Network has been supporting. Find more information there at meccaforpeace.org. That's M-E-C-A for peace.org. Ceasefire now, end the occupation, free Palestine. Thank you so much. Let me tell you a story about a Spaniard named Vasquez. Welcome to Genders, Queers, and Buccaneers. I'm your bosun. I'm Andy. Ooh, I was going to be the bosun, so this time I'm going to be the captain. I'm Captain Ronnie, captain of the whole gender ship. Arr! If you couldn't tell by those introductions, Genders, Queers, and Buccaneers is a Black Sails podcast. We are currently covering episode four. But before we get into that, do we do we have a bit? Do, do we do a bit? I don't remember how we this podcast works. It's been don't a, do a, been a bit. We don't do a bit? Sometimes, sometimes Ronnie takes us to uh, Ronnie's Landlubber Learning. Uh, Ronnie is, is struggling with that this week because... Uh, sure. Due to due to the nature of keeping a ship upright on a on a beach with guy wire, Ronnie's trying to do some physics, and Ronnie mm. Ronnie is not good at math, and so Ronnie is not going to be best at explaining that to the audience. Just no audience. Here's your land level alert, and you remember remember that guy? There was a guy. We'll, 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 this this happened early in the episode. This would be a good way to enter into it. There was a guy who was like, "Oh, this beach isn't good for it." This beach is not good for d- putting your ship on land and scraping barnacles off. And everyone was like, yeah, that sounds that sounds reasonable. This guy knows what he's talking about, obviously, because we're asking this guy for his opinion. And Flint was like, hey, everybody actually fuck this guy. And uh, <laughs> listen to that guy. <laughs> listen to that guy. Get, your guy. get yourself a guy like that, because that guy seems to know physics. And so, me, so that guy's name is Flint Dick does. Root. The Groot? De Groot. And De Groot. he okay. is uh, the ship's carpenter, which is a, a very highly respected position. He is in charge mm. of keeping the ship in working order when 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 ship breaks or gets damaged sure. in a storm or a battle. He is the guy that then like works with the quartermaster of like we need X amount of money from the you know the holdings, the crew's holdings to make these repairs. It's gonna take X amount of time. 
yada 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 yeah yeah part of my my like physics adventure was to see if uh tying the guy wire to a tree uh 10 feet away would have made that much of a difference um but that's there's so much math there's so much math um just 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 get to Groot. Just listen to the Groot next time. That's that's listen listen to the guy that you pay to do the job. That's that's this this week's land lover learning with Ronnie. Uh so so let's 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 recap the episode then. Yeah. Uh, it opens yeah. up on our boy Gates, uh beautiful lovable Gates and he has been made captain of the Ranger. Mm-hmm. And he pretty immediately names Billy his quartermaster. And uh, the crew overwhelmingly supports this decision. Um, as they are then discussing the plan, now that like both ships have full leadership, mm-hmm. uh, the, the conversation with DeGroote comes up where Flint is like, hey, actually... The beach over there is fine. If we have to look for the perfect beach, it could take like a month. So mm-hmm. like chop, chop, get to it. Um, right. As uh, this is happening, Billy then thinks back to his conversation with that weirdo Morley, which we like didn't see all of. But we yeah. know that Morley doesn't dig Flint. He was friends with the guy who Flint murdered in the first episode. And... He, like, tells this story about a time before Billy was on the crew. Flint was obsessively chasing one particular ship, and he kept bragging about, like, what a big score it would be. And it turns out that, like, there wasn't a whole lot of money, and Morley overheard Flint kill two, like, rich assholes. And when Morley asked him about it, Flint kind of brushed it off. And then when they got to shore, he overheard Flint talking to the Barlow woman, as he calls her, um, that like the job was done and the, the, the people were dead. And ever since then, Morley hasn't trusted Flint. He's like, he's working for this like sea woman, this witch. She is controlling him. And like, he is like assassinating people for her or something. It seems to be like mm-hmm. what he's insinuating and that Flint doesn't have the crew's best interest at hearts. Flint has Barlow's interest at heart. Gotta say gives me, makes me feel very good about my, my, uh, uh, uh hypothesis that Barlow is a sea witch. Cause mm-hmm. Morley, Morley basically writes that out. Uh, and, and, and it would be like easy to say like, Oh, Morley's a crackpot, but like, I don't know. I don't know. Narratively, it would be pretty interesting if Morley was right about the whole thing. Um, We then flash over to Barlow, and it is, like, one of the more uncomfortable sex scenes I've ever seen in a show. Um, Mm -hmm. It just seems remarkably unpleasant, despite both people being extremely hot. Um, As they finish... Miranda confronts Flint and is like, you're mad at me for something. And like, I rather you like, tell me what's up than like, pretend like nothing's wrong. Flint confronts her about reading Marcus Relius to, um, what's his name? Uh, Guthrie, uh, the, the Guthrie dad. Um, she 
um, explains that, like, she's tired of pretending life that they had before didn't happen. She, like, points to the painting of her and uh, this Thomas Hamilton character who we don't know about. Uh, mm-hmm. Flint is pissed and leaves. Um, things it's don't seem real- particularly healthy there. It's a really like I have a, I have the teensiest bit of context, but but for something with with no context coming into this, it's a very strange conversation where Flint is like, "Yeah, ha- did you have to read him that book?" And Miranda's like, "I'm tired of pretending that that book's not important." And he's like, "You could have picked any other book, any other book," and it's just like. We are both very invested in this book that, like, we have not given, we don't know anything about. And it's like, it, it is, I'm not, this is not me doing, like, a dig on the scene. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was good. But it's just, like, out of context. It's just like, what the fuck is, it's like this very high school drama thing, except about a book. And they're, they're, they're much too old for that sort of yeah, thing. Right, yeah, right, right, yeah. Um, Black Sails does this a lot with, like, books and poems, where it will either, like, name them directly or, like, reference them, and you can tell they're super significant to characters, and the show will not explain why. So if you haven't read Mm. that book, you're just kind of, like, at a fucking loss, uh, unless you find an essay from an obsessed Black Sails fan who will explain why they think the book is important. So, gotcha, um, gotcha. there's, there's plenty of people who have talked about at length, why Marcus Aurelius is important to Flint and Miranda and potentially this Thomas character. We, mm-hmm. uh, the show will never tell us why that book is important to them other than, um, you know, that like certain characters read it together. But, like, the thematic sure. significance is never going to be directly explained. You have to kind of, like, dig for that. Interesting. I, 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 um, I am not sure how to feel about that, but I, we, will, we will see as it progresses. From there, we flash over to Charles Vane, who is doing opium and looks like a piece of shit. And Rackham is yelling at him, like, buddy. Um, uh, Vane then hallucinates like a a a big mountain boy like this big this big burly beard man yeah and uh we don't know what that's about uh right now uh i do because i've seen this whole show but uh if you're watching along for the first time you do not um horn and gold confronts uh mr scott uh mr scott is the um like right hand man and mentor slash confidant of eleanor and Hornigold is like, hey, pirate captains are pissed off how Eleanor unseated Vane. We're we're really not into this. Um uh, apparently Eleanor is planning on robbing the Andromache of its big cannons to give to Flint. And um Hornigold and Scott kind of talk about that. They don't seem on board. Uh it seems like Eleanor is uh, pissing a lot of people off with her like unwavering support of Flint. Mm-hmm. Um, Loved seeing Horn of Gold again. Uh, only got a, a brief glimpse of him before, but having him like come back as like I'm still a part of this story. Damn it! I was like, cool, cool. I'm all right with that. 
if you've seen Our Flag Means Death, you know that Hornigold's a dick. So uh, <laughs> he, he is he's great on Black Sails, but uh, boy howdy, that's like one thing Black Sails and Our Flag Means Death can agree on. Hornigold's a dick. Um, <laughs> we flash over to uh, the careening of, uh, I believe it's the walrus. Um we are like fully in the black sales is a workplace drama show mm-hmm, with like this mm-hmm. shit where like there's a guy confronting silver about some uncooked meat Flint, uh, tastes it and says, it's fine. Says the guy like just has the shits for like some other reason. Uh, the guy leaves Flint spits it out and, uh, is like, what did you do to that meat? Silver's so like I cooked it and flint in, in in a much beloved uh dialogue reading says you most certainly did not. Uh it's just fucking funny. Uh yeah. it's a great it's a great bit. Um uh Silver sees Bones and Morley talking more. He kind of narks on them to Flint. Flint says, get out of here, I trust Bones, which is a far cry from who's Billy. In episode yeah. one, right. um, it, it's clear he was just doing that to like raz on Billy. Um, it's getting windy. The greening is maybe not going well. Uh, I skipped the fuck tent bit. Um, you did, which is important. That's another much beloved scene and like very, yeah. very uh, close to the, the the workplace drama that is Black mm-hmm. Sales. Uh, the crew wants a fuck tent. Billy doesn't want a fuck tent. Uh, Black Sales fans uh, think Billy is asexual because of the scene and hmm. uh, his uh, lack of a love interest for the rest of the show, which um, uh, lots of characters get some sort of significant other or, or, or show interest in someone at, sure. at some point, And Billy at no point does. Um, Interesting. I think it is a fair reading of, of Billy Bones. Um, with what we know of him from black sales and uh, other treasure Island related media that uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he might be asexual. Sure. Um, moving right along though, Max is trying to play the crew of the Ranger. Um, she is in sexual bondage. So she, uh, you know, the cards she can play are in fact, limited but she's trying to show them that like hey if you're not abusive assholes um i will be better to you um we see and bonnie react to um max being abused though and uh and looks fucking pissed Mm -hmm. um yeah i know you said that that uh you know, this sets up a lot of stuff for Anne, and Anne has been, like, pretty, I don't want to say quiet, but Anne has been, like, has not been fully formed as a character yet, it does not seem. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, what we what we know about her is is strictly in, in relation to, to Vane and to Rackham. Um, and so, I, I'm, like... It's it's doing the thing I think it's supposed to do where it's like, oh, we want you we want you to get excited about knowing who this character is because we keep showing her a lot. Uh, I, I want to know. I want to know. Just 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 tell me. Tell me who this cool person is. Because I hear this person's cool. 
we get an important scene with her towards the end of this episode that I think does a lot yeah. of uh, showing without telling. But uh, and first real episode is going to be episode five. Yeah, for sure. So Same it's coming. We're almost yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, more stuff with uh, Miranda than um, Guthrie and Miranda. And uh, I think Mr. Scott is there. Talk about what is going on with the Guthrie of it all. He's a wanted man. Now, mm-hmm. how is this going to affect, uh, Nassau moving forward? Can he help with the guns or not? Um, what went down in Boston, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, not all that exciting. Um, important politics stuff, but you know, sure. not a lot of piracy. Uh, Rackham gets confronted by, um, the guy who I believe he's the, the brothel uh, runs owner. the brothel. His name. Yeah. His Mr. name's not important. He, he's about to die. Um, yeah. He's come up once before in a way of like when working with Max, like it is well yeah. established that he works with Max and Max is, is one of his, uh, you know, one of the, the, the women who work at his brothel. Oh, and, well, before that, Bonnie tells him, like, you should, like, captain your own ship. And Rackham is like, I can't right now because my most important asset is, like, my smarts. And I lost our crew a whole bunch of money. No one is going to mm-hmm. want to, cap- like, be under me if that's the last thing I did on a crew. I need to bounce back Vane's crew, and then I could captain my own ship. Um, right. Which... Makes sense. Uh, and like, this is Bonnie clearly showing that she's not comfortable with how Vane is running his crew. She's not comfortable mm-hmm. with the Max thing. Uh, so her kind of encouraging, encouraging Jack to break off, uh, I think, is a sign of that. They get confronted by the brothel owner. He wants Max back. Jack explains that, no, she owes our crew this, so we're keeping her a slave. Um, this guy like talks shit and like Anne backs Jack up. And I think Anne like immediately threatens violence in a way that I think is strategic and not reckless. I think a lot of people see this scene and walk away with like, oh, Anne's kind of a wild card. She's a bit of a, a loose cannon. But I mm-hmm. think what she's doing is um in, in Philly, we call it mad dogging. You know, where you mm, kind of like yes. puff your chest up and you're like, hey, like you better back the fuck up, man. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you, you you make yourself big and you get loud and it's to like scare off a fight. And I think right. that's what she's doing here. They're outnumbered. Mm. But if she can scare them away from her and Jack by being kind of a, a wild card badass, then like they don't need to fight. Um right. I, I think this is more strategic than how it, it maybe appears on the surface. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And, and it works. I mean, she's clearly got the reputation and, uh, you know, she doesn't need to do much more than show up, have her reputation and, and show a bit of steel. And yeah. And pirates are all about reputation, baby. Yeah. A whole lot of politicking goes on with like Mr. Scott and Richard Guthrie. 
um, and the the plan with the cannons and the everyone's scared about the Scarborough being docked nearby. England is coming. Uh, a lot of doom and gloom. Things don't seem to be going well. Um, anything you want to say there? There's like two or three scenes of, of people yeah, talking to Richard Guthrie. It, it, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, it it seems like a lot of setup. It's a lot of, you know, why should we trust? Like, you know, very, very spoilers. No one should be trusted. But yeah. it's a lot of like establishing why this person should trust this person and this person should trust this person and and like kind of f- smoothing everything out in terms of like this will all go according to plan because everybody needs to trust everybody else that things are going to happen smoothly and they do a lot to establish that with a, which I think helps with the fact that that's not how things are going to go. It, it does keep you, you know, this, I mean, same, same as like the main, the main crux of the episode with the creating of the ship, like, yeah, things are, uh, or I guess more the opposite because it's very much established from early on that things are going to go ass up with that. But like mm-hmm. everyone's kind of doing their best to be like, nah, I mean, it's just, you know, we're, we're 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 doing our best here. Um but yeah, the the there's more action and uh glazing and spicing a pig and fuck tent happening on the beach, and so it's a bit more interesting than in the in the closed meetings back on Nassau. And and like nothing nothing will ever make me care about Richard Guthrie. Like like Yeah, he's pretty bland. Yeah. That guy sucks. Um, <laughs> back on the beach, Eleanor goes to Flint and is like, hey, things with my dad aren't going well. I'm worried we're not going to be able to like pull this off. Uh, I have doubts. And I do love this conversation where Flint is like, we have our doubters now, but after we do this and we're successful, everyone is going to look back and say that this was inevitable and like this was the only outcome. And it's it's a great conversation. It's a great Flint quote. Um Flint could uh, sell sand in the desert. Like mm-hmm. he, he is the uh, the consummate um, like preacher and evangelist to his own vision. Um, things with the boat go poorly. We we saw uh, a guy being lazy setting up the ropes. Flint called him out. The guy didn't change. Uh, rope Billy breaks. called him out. Oh, Billy called that, him out. That's Sorry, a, that's important. Yeah, Billy. Yeah, Billy tries to get him to move the the guy wires to a tree. That is about ten feet up from the from the water, and they're like, "I mean, it's tied up to a tree. What difference?" And they're like, "Fuck it, fuck it," and then they uh, yeah. they fuck off. They go to the fuck uh, it. Yeah, Billy called yeah. him out. Thank you. Um, and it's showing that, like, as much as the crew cheered for him with this new position, he hasn't necessarily earned the status of that new position yet in their eyes. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But things go bad. Rand the the boat is like crashing. Randall goes after his cat, uh, gets trapped. Uh, Morley and Flint go to save him, and Flint is very vocal. Like you let us die if you need to. Like you protect the ship because the ship is right. like getting torn apart by the wind. But they're gonna go yeah. try and save Randall. They do save Randall. I think they save the cat too. Um, yeah. And then uh, Randall does have to lose a leg though. Uh, it's very dramatic. Morley dies. 
Oh, Morley dies. Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched this like a week ago. Um, yeah, same. It, it, there's an interesting scene yeah. which with Morley and Billy where Billy's Morley is like really pissed off at Billy after uh, just aligning with Flint when it comes to uh, the the advisement of DeGroote. And Morley's like, you're just this. Nothing's going to change. You are in Flint's pocket the same way that Gates is in Flint's pocket. It's just going to keep on going and going. I don't buy the singleton bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. and like really he, I, I forget what the line is, but he sticks it to Billy and kind of like really yeah. makes Billy. You were reflect. supposed to back us up. Right. The, you know, the people who didn't like Flint, you were supposed to be our right. voice. Yeah. And it, it forces Billy to like reflect on the fact that all of this is happening on account of Billy lied. Like, like all of mm-hmm. this is predicated on a lie that Billy told to protect Flint. And so like, it's, it's really weighing on his conscience that this has happened. And now the guy who really stuck, stuck daggers to him about it and really like held him to account got killed because of a decision that Billy made to align himself with Flint and protect Flint. And so like it, and it don't get more like convicting than that. There is an element too of like, did Flint let Morley die is mm-hmm. also, I think a question which like, yeah. I think it's obvious that Flint didn't like Flint yeah. had to save Randall and like, couldn't save both. But, right. um, I'm sure Billy is wondering that to some degree. Billy goes to Gates and is like, I'm uncomfortable about this Flint thing. Like, I'm feeling real guilty. Flint sees them talking, goes to Silver and go, you know, asks Silver for the dirt that Silver originally offered. And Silver explains, like, I saw Billy talking to Morley and I heard them talk about Barlow. And then Flint has a look. Um, Mm -hmm. We flash over to Barlow. She's talking to Richard Guthrie. Richard Guthrie is like, I figured out who you are. You are in that painting. It's labeled like Mr. and Mrs. Thomas Hamilton. I remember the Hamiltons. They owned, they were like in charge of, you know, this big place in the Bahamas. They were rich and fancy to do people. Um, There was a rumor that Mrs. Hamilton, you know, like cucked her husband and like slept around. And when it got found out, her husband died and then she ran away with her boyfriend. Uh, I think that's you. And I think the boyfriend is Flint. Um, we do not know how true this right. theory is. Um, it, however, so, even, even oh, as a theory, it shows up a lot of stuff. Like, like there's sure a does. lot of stuff. A lot of stuff historically is brought up here between Morley and Guthrie of like mm-hmm. what happened before. And like there's a part of me where it's like, I mean, there are like reenactments in the flashback like that is shown on screen. But it's still like you're telling me a lot of stories about what seems like a really like risque and interesting time. Like I'd rather you show me that than tell me about that. But. I guess I guess it's okay if it's like all done away with in an episode, but even then, it's like uh, I have feelings about it. I'm not sure exactly how yeah. I feel, but I have feelings about it. 
So this this does go into the Morley theory, and it also goes into this idea of Flint being better than the pirates he captains, where like mm-hmm. Flint talks different, he strategizes different, and this idea that he is actually this Navy British officer who was best friends with, you know, this Lord Hamilton fellow, like that makes a lot more sense that like, oh, he is not lower class like everyone else is that he's surrounded by. Uh, yeah. So there's 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 some weight to this theory. To your point, um, as far as I can remember, we don't get another better explanation in season one. We're going to have to sure. wait for more of this. But like, keep this shit in mind. Yeah. Um, this is this is a very important conversation. It just does a lot to establish like the where we're coming from, which which mm-hmm. s- does more speaking to like what my my issue was last week of like the pilot was so clean and crisp, and now episode two and three are going to be a little bit expository. It like it kind of carries thing a little bit carries things in a little bit of that way, but it's also super interesting and like I don't. You know, I, I have thoughts about the Guthrie of it all, uh, but I'll, I'll save that for a minute. Um, uh, so, sh- so uh, Miranda is is kind of confronted with all of this, and Guthrie is kind of holding the needle to her a little bit, and his solution is. Why don't we all just leave? <laughs> Let's all get out of here. Let's go. Uh, we flash to Vane, who's like high as shit, tripping balls, drunk as hell. Uh, he looks like shit, and he gets confronted by the brothel owner. And like they just want to threaten Vane, but Flame Vane is so like drunk as balls, like, hallucinating Eleanor and hallucinating the, like, big burly man that they're like, fuck it, let's just kill Charles Vane. Um, this does not go well for them. Charles Vane murders the three of them. And, um, I... I he, he then, like, leaves. He, he he murders them, wanders off into the night. Yeah, well, he, he has the hallucination about Eleanor and hallucinates her... Like giving him, I forget what the actual like monologue she gives is, but it's like you're too scared to do it needs to be done, and and like mm-hmm. you can't like it feels like there's something very specific in what she's talking about, um, yeah. and it doesn't matter that I don't remember what she says because it's it's vague enough that I have no idea what the fuck yeah. she's talking about, but there's something this... happening that like he's not doing. This conversation with Eleanor's, like, spirit. Yes. And where Vane is going to go. There is a popular fan theory that I hold to. That Vane was, um, like, sexually mistreated as, uh, like young man Hmm. and that that is the person he is going to now go confront Hmm. um we're we're gonna see that confrontation throughout like the rest of the season and nothing is ever explicitly said 
but there's uh, a lot that like isn't said, you know, by Charles Vane throughout the entire right. show. But then yeah. also like Eleanor doesn't know this shit about Vane. Like I don't think anyone knows mm-hmm. the shit about Vane. So the fact that like how sure how this like vision berates Vane, and the fact that it like takes on the aspect of like his sexual desire is right. I think like very interesting because that could have been any, like that could have been Jack. Jack is like Vane's best yeah. friend. That could have been Anne. Anne is like Jack's or Anne is like Vane's bro. Like, like it could have mm-hmm. been uh teach. Like we know that teach was Charles Vane's mentor, historically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been any of these other characters, but it's like this sexual vision you know it, it i mean eleanor's fully clothed but it, she is the object of vane's desire who like berates him for not being man enough and like being held back by this thing in his past which like not healthy ways to cope with that sort of trauma but right. um that is that is a popular fan theory that i think is worth mentioning here like why is not eleanor's ghost who is this guy that he keeps seeing we're gonna find out more uh, this idea that like Vane was traumatized in that specific way is never confirmed, but I, I think mm-hmm. the uh, the theory holds a lot of weight. Yeah. Um. um what's left? Uh, uh, we we see Scott betray the other guy he's with on post. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, Before that, the, the cannons are going. To, to, oh, sorry. To, no, no, no. Um way back when uh we haven't really talked about the andromache uh much at all but like things are not going well in the meeting with eleanor and uh senior guthrie mm-hmm. and uh guthrie asks eleanor to step out and uh scott realizes that there are trained guards on the the door ready to like force the cousin, the Barlow cousin, the captain of the Andromache to give him, give the guns to Eleanor one way or another, Uh, which is exactly what Scott was like. Hey, we can't do that. We can't forcibly take away a captain's guns to give to another captain because the Andromache, if I understand correctly, is not even a pirate ship. They are, they are not, they are not pirates. Um, And so, Scott correctly is like, that would be bad. And Scott realizes that Eleanor has done the exact thing that he told her not to. And there's a lot of mistrust there now. And then the captain of the Andromache and Guthrie come out of the room and they're like, all right, deal's done. Uh, You're going to get the guns. Um, And then it leads us to uh, Scott. As you, uh, Gad, you could you could take it from here. Yeah, Scott. Scott is just clearly like betraying Eleanor here. Um, yeah, and uh, yes, that all that all happened in the scene where I was like, yeah, boring politics stuff. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> it, it, important to the plot for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Mr. Scott is a incredibly compelling character, and yeah. um, it, it would be wrong to to write off that conversation as boring political stuff when it's so important to. Uh, this big decision he makes at the end of the episode where he betrays Eleanor in a sense to like protect her. Um, and like, this is the sort of stuff where I'm like, I think Eleanor is meant to be younger 
than the actress playing her because mm-hmm. this is like very paternalistic of Mr. Scott. And I don't think if a character is like 19, I think it's kind of like more understandable for him to do this than if she's like 27, like right. the actress kind of looks. And I don't think the show portrays Mr. Scott in a negative way for doing this. Like I think the show no. would if Eleanor was an older character. Um, and I think if, if Eleanor is a younger character, it makes sense for her to be pulling this kind of bullshit. Like if she's, yeah, a, for sure. A for sure. Like the, the show has gone above and beyond to be like, this is where Eleanor is safe and she will do whatever she can to protect this part of her life for her to like immediately go and threaten that with horn of gold kind of be already being like, Hey, people are fucking pissed here. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it like undermines a little bit of what the, the story of the show is trying to tell that like, she finds a lot of like value in this station, if not like mm-hmm. the future of, of the, you know, score that the walrus could get. I, I also think like Eleanor gets bad rap in the fandom because when the show starts, we see in episode one, like Eleanor at the top of her game. She is the head of the mm-hmm. food chain. She is basically running shit while her dad fucks around and does nothing. And then by episode four, Eleanor <laughs> is like being undermined by her closest ally and is like very quickly losing control of the situation. And it like, it's not the character's fault that the plot of the show kind of immediately is like, this is her like, Macbeth losing every like like this is the end of Macbeth she's losing everything here um like right away and I think uh, a lot of the people like watching the show and in the fandom forget that like no Eleanor is good at politics we're just kind of seeing her on her worst fucking week yeah like from the jump yeah like her two main relationships uh immediately fall apart uh, very violently and with each other and like her dad gets shot and loses his authority and then from mm-hmm. there she is like scrambling to figure out a plan like yeah anyone's gonna gonna have a rough time uh navigating right. that bullshit yeah um but uh, yeah the ship leaves and scott and eleanor and flint are all hanging out and they're like uh that ship still has its guns on it we can tell because pirates mm-hmm. uh we need to like go get that shit Right. And that's the episode. That's the episode. It does. There is a button scene with, uh, as we said, Guthrie uh, wanted to uh, abscond with Miranda and just be like, let's get mm-hmm. out of here. We, there is a scene where they talk to the pastor, like right? They talk to the pastor and, and make a case to him on like how I guess he can help them get out of there. I don't know. But yeah, that wheels are in motion and Miranda seems if not on board, then humoring this this plan. So, I don't like a lot of pastors, uh, but I'll go on record on uh, saying I don't like this one a lot. No, he's kind of he's kind of Weasley. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a shithead. Don't trust uh, this guy. No, 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 no. Um, I have like one big takeaway this episode. Um, that that corresponds with the, like the Guthrie of it all, and and. Uh, and like the Andromache captain of it all. Yeah. Um. So if you if you had any other like little bits and bobs 
then like be happy to hear them. <laughs> um, yeah, I have I have some bits and bobs. I think like every so often I see on Twitter or Tumblr, it's usually a young person. Um I you know, I, I, I don't interact with anyone like younger than twenty-five. Um, but I feel like it's usually someone in like their early twenties or like late teens who says that like sex scenes should never be in movies or TV mm. show. There's no point to them. Yeah. It's all basically pornography and like that's bad. Uh first of all, like not all pornography is bad. Like there is ethical sure. pornography out there. Um to to say that all porn is exploitative and all porn is always bad. Like that's 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 just like patently untrue. Um and like I don't like particularly like watch a lot of porn, but like every so often I'll watch some porn. I'm not like watching it all the time or anything, but like porn's mm-hmm. fine. And like I'm married and like my husband like doesn't care. It's not like like it's, it's some sort of like weird or unhealthy thing in our relationship. So like like porn isn't always bad, one. But two, um like this sex scene tells us so much. Right. And to write off all sex scenes as like gratuitous or unnecessary and never moving the plot forward like that's just not true like like we learn so much about flint and miranda from this horribly uncomfortable sex scene than like any scene of dialogue could tell us Right. right like like short of like thought bubbles like a comic book coming <laughs> out of the characters heads and telling us like their souls and their deepest thoughts like no other way could you communicate where their relationship is at besides like this sex scene then going into the conversation we get after it like yeah. it's so insightful that like yeah their shit is dysfunctional and unhealthy and they are going through the goddamn motions I know your point is to like highlight why this scene is valuable and not so much to shit on the idea that like things like this are not valuable. I simply, I, I see the same thing on Twitter a lot and mostly I see, cause my feed is incredibly curated. Mostly I see the people like long form tweeting, not, not even dunking on it, but just like explain that like, this is, this is what a up and coming class of like, entertainment critics if not critics then like people with who approach uh you know media with a critical lens this is their like perspective on it is just that like not only sex scenes are bad but like relation like romantic relationships cheapen a a story like they like there's a whole class of of folks who like get really mad when a friendship becomes something more something more romantic and it's like it it seems to be hand in hand with the sex thing. And it's just like, I don't, I just don't get it. I, I, I don't know what it's inspired by, but, but clearly like it, it is more than just like a couple of randos online kind of chirping about it. It is a, a, a large swath of people and it, it baffles me to quite a significant degree. Yeah. And like, I've definitely seen a movie or show where a, romantic subplot seems crammed in or like poorly thought out and it is usually a male character 
very suddenly getting a female love interest to no homo their way out of what is clearly a like really deep emotional connection with the like male co-lead sure and like it's it's the rosy cotton it's frodo and sam are clearly faggots Mm-hmm. And so we got to give Sam a girl, a, a girlfriend and a wife <laughs> real fucking quick when we wrap this shit up, because uh, otherwise everyone's going to know that those those two little hobbits are fucking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, yeah, that's frustrating and annoying. Like, it's the uh, the Steve Rogers, Sharon Carter kiss in yeah. Civil War, because yeah. everyone saw the Winter Soldier and we're like, well, we want steve and sam to fuck or we want steve and bucky to fuck and they were like quick let's give him a girlfriend real fucking fast and not develop Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. shit at all and then write her out of the movie real quick but we'll make sure you see them kiss so that way you know that none of these boys are gay um yeah that's annoying but like on the flip side there's also like the fucking mask of zorro which like has incredibly sexy like chemistry between characters and like the, the sexiest sword fight since Earl Flynn and Basil Rathbone in the Merry Adventures of Robin Hood. Like, like the mummy is like super sexy mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. charged and flirty and fun. Like, right. like not all romance is bad. And if you do it well and you develop both characters, it's really great. Um, right. This is the flip side. This is you're like you're seeing two characters who are interesting and like being developed, having sex, and it's terrible. And mm-hmm. like you learn so much about both of them through their terrible sex. Right. Yeah, I I I, I, I think about I think part of this whole new craze i don't want to like speak so derogatory about it but like so some fun of this new craze is like a rejection of tropes to some degree and it's like i get you i see you i understand like the will they won't they of like the 90s is like tiresome to you but like the night will you won't they of the 90s had to walk so that any media today can run and also like tropes are tropes are or how we tell stories. Like you, you can like be upset about tropes and be upset about how a piece of media can misuse a trope, but the tropes there, like that, that is, that is how we have a collective engagement with a piece of media is by identifying the tropes that are at play and establishing expectations based on that. And then Mm -hmm. the job is then to subvert those expectations or tell a good story with those expectations. And this idea that just like, nah, tropes are bad. Like uh, I'm tired of all these tropes. It's just like, it's, it's like, Oh, I hate this dinner. I'm tired of all these ingredients. I I don't like ingredients in my food. It's just like, it's, it's not, it's, it's not seeing the thing for what it's for what it is. You just like, I don't know. Um, like semi related to this too. And I just want to point it out that like, I love that Louise Barnes is Miranda Barlow. Like she does such an incredible job with this character, uh, throughout the course of the show. And she is only five years younger than Toby Stevens. And that is like a really normal age gap between two people, like in real life. 
And the fact that she, at the time of filming this, like, would have been in her, like, early 40s, I guess. And, like, still gets to be, like, sexual on screen. And, like, Mm -hmm. you don't see that in Hollywood a lot. Like, I can name, like, an infinite amount of movies off the top of my head where the male lead is, like, 20 years older than his Mm -hmm. female love interest. Um, If not more. And, like... No, these characters are five years apart. It's a very, like, believable mar- uh, relationship. It's a very, like, believable age gap. It makes sense. Um, they both get to be, like, fucking hot together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, again, this sex scene is, is terrible. But, like, you get to see a woman in her 40s, like, be sexual with a man on screen. And, like, the age gap not be weird or unhealthy uh or like exploitative to a young actress uh that that rules that fucking rules that's great yeah 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 very good very cool big fan um that's all i got there yeah sure the the thing that i wanted to talk to is has to do with like what i view as the privilege of composure or the the composure of the privileged where like we see it a couple times in this episode and and it certainly has come up sometimes before we we talked for a long time about the the kind of monologue that the cop in in the pilot gives and it's this idea that like everyone who speaks from a place of composure and assuredness is someone with tremendous privilege and any kind of opportunity left for them when all this shit breaks bad like mm-hmm. You, you, there are people that are, speak with confidence and speak authoritatively like Flint does, like Gates does, but it's all like under incredible duress and it's yeah. all like very, uh, you know, shaking people by their shirt collar, trying to get them to listen. Whereas Guthrie, the cop, uh, the captain of the Andromache, like, they are all like using their power and privilege to manipulate the people around them. And almost all of them are wrong. Like they're, they are, mm-hmm. it, it, it's this weird like effect where like they are speaking with such composure. And I'm like following along with the way Guthrie is talking to Scott. And like he's speaking with such like conviction and such, you know, so well thought out. And it's like, much like in any media, but even in like everyday life, it is very easy to see, to look at that and say, Oh, okay. This doesn't really jive with the way that I'm viewing this world, what you're saying, but you're, you're speaking pretty clearly and you clearly really believe it. So like, you must be right. And the people who are like Flint, who are like, frothing at the mouth talking about their shit they maybe need to like get it together a little bit they seem a little too emotional about this and it's like without a fault the people who are standing from that point of privilege at least in the show are wrong but they have never had to like investigate their perspective for a moment and so they it it would they would never come off as like having doubted themselves the way that flint or scott or eleanor mm-hmm. has because they have had to like 
look into that void and be like, what happens if this doesn't go good? What happens? Yeah. And, and like in real life, like I have dealt with this where like dealing with my family, for example, they'll say something like deeply troubling or and homophobic and I will get upset about it and like yep. visibly upset or like my, my voice will be strained because I'm then responding and trying to like keep my cool and they will then throw that in my face as like me being wrong because I'm emotional right. and because I'm upset and it's yep. like, no, because I'm emotional doesn't mean I'm wrong because I'm emotional, like means I'm invested and like right. your opinions on this topic are hurtful. And that is yeah. why I'm upset. It like, like me being upset doesn't invalidate my argument. And, right. um, it's so easy for the people who are privileged to keep their composure because they're like not directly affected by it or not as affected, you know, to your point, these characters, they know that they have a way out to some degree, like right. the, the Guthrie's of the world are insulated enough from this fallout. Like he's got a plan B and C that he can, you know, right. move to if plan a falls apart, right. Just based on his name alone. Right. Whereas and a character like Gates or Flint or Mr. Scott, like this is all they got. Like right. they're, right. they're right in their one ticket silver to some degree. He's always working an angle, but like he's got a fucking hustle. Cause he's got right. jack shit. Right. Right. Yes. And, and everyone like <sighs> silver certainly falls into that category of people who just like, who are just making it up as they fucking go for a long-term game of protecting themselves and protecting, you know, their interests. Whereas like Guthrie and the cop, it's like they only need to believe in what they believe long enough to convince somebody to get them to the next step. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, it's this, like, really, like, shallow way of, like, holding court, holding, like, people's attention in, like, I don't actually know if I believe this bullshit, but I need you to believe this bullshit so that I can make the next person believe this bullshit and then just, like, keep it on going so that I can get what I want in the end. Yeah. And, and that just really struck me in this episode where, like, I think the show did an excellent job. And maybe this is not what the intention is. But, like, I, I watched the conversation with Guthrie and, and Scott. And I was like, huh, that kind of challenge, if that's true, that kind of challenges my view of what this show is and what this show is saying. And then I said... Well, then it's probably not true. Like, it, like it, this this very insignificant man is not like write, rewriting the text of this show that I've watched so far. What if it's not true? And then once you're able to see it from that perspective, it's like, oh, it's all like this is this is all just like string and and duct tape and smoke and mirrors. Meanwhile, like Flint is literally trying to keep his ship from being destroyed back on the beach, and like he is the one who is confronting the idea of what if all this doesn't happen? What if this, I have to like really develop a value system based on what the fuck, if all this goes bad, Guthrie ain't doing that. The the mm -hmm. captain of the Scarborough ain't doing that. The captain no. of the Andromache, he's not doing that. Like it's a very, uh, it's an eye into like 
just if even even taking like the the metaphor of of uh, you know people with who are who are queer versus people who do not have to confront that kind of thing it's just the privileged versus the people that the people people with privilege have power over mm-hmm. and 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 how you how those people are are allowed to move throughout the world and how they are allowed to be composed in their arguments and that just it really struck me in this episode good shit ronnie it's good shit yeah yeah so what i always tell people is that like if you're watching black sales from the beginning don't skip season one because some people will just tell you to skip season one and i think they're wrong interesting okay try and get to episode five if you can get to episode five you're in for a roller coaster through the end of the rest of the season, and then it truly becomes a different show at episode five. How are you feeling going into? We finished episode four. We're going into episode five. Yeah, with the with the preface of that you have given me and many uh, and, and and you know the 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 preface that seems to be like rena- like resounded of like the sexual assault rape stuff is tough. And that is aggressive. Uh, but with that in mind, it was I, I, allowing myself to to understand that and prepare for that. I have not hated these these episodes. I do. I, I, I've mm-hmm. I've been. I think I've been on the record as like, yeah. this is good. Um, Kirsten, my partner, who I've been watching this with, it's like is maybe the better litmus test. And after watching episodes three, she was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if this is for me with, with uh, same, same full preparations sure. in place that I had regarding yeah. the sexual assault. Um, it's rough. I don't, it's, it's just not, it's just not doing it for me. was basically her, mm-hmm. her uh, text. And after episode four, she was like, okay, that was better. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm back on, like, I'm, I'm into it. I'm interested. In it. And it's like, episode three is a bit of like, it, it happens to be. Episode. It happens to be super rough in terms of gruesomeness, and also not a terribly interesting episode. There's a lot of like, it's it's not the cat and mouse that it was the episode previous. Yeah. It's not. It's it's just politicking and politicking about these characters that you might not be super invested in yet, and. Uh, while there are parts of it that I really enjoyed, it it does. I can see how people would bounce off there, but yeah. I'm excited to to get to episode five. I'm excited for for Kirsten to to watch along with me, and I'm I'm excited for like the wheels that start turning at this point that I can see have started to screech to to a to a start. Episode four is really a transitional episode where like there are some really important conversations but we don't really see a lot of important actions it's all kind of setting up for this thing with episode five where like the cannons are gone we need to go get the cannons um so like we're going to get some cool ship stuff like i don't feel like that's a spoiler saying flitting gates are going to go after those goddamn cannons you know so like Mm -hmm. Episode five is is going to be like the really turning of the page. It is the um, this is maybe slightly more of a spoiler, but I, I I think it's a soft enough one that it's okay. It is the culmination of the Mac shit 
like yeah. that that comes to a conclusion uh by my memory in episode 5 and so like Going through that pain these past two episodes and then getting um, what I consider to be uh, a pretty damn good conclusion to that. And then we just get like Max as a real character moving forward Mm -hmm. is pretty great. So uh, I believe that also kind of happens in episode five. So we're, we're really going to be turning the page on the first four episodes into, okay, moving forward, this is like, this is what I think about when I think of black sales is like episode five onward, despite there being some great little scenes in, in these first four, you know, tits, tits, fruit, fruit. And, you know, did you fucking cook that? You you most certainly did not, you know, there's, there's good (laughs) stuff here. I don't think you should skip season one, but, um, you kind of have to like be ready for the punishment in those first four episodes. And then you get some really great payoffs moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, relationships being established although billy and gates was well established relationship but like that Mm. kind of camaraderie of like gates kind of having the the arm's length now on his own ship to being able to really be a mentor to billy and not like a supervisor to billy like seems like Mm -hmm. it's gonna be cool gate um flint and silver now kind of having like a reason to want to coexist like him being kind of a confidant to flint and uh silver being like yeah that that sounds that sounds like it will preserve me for another day um <laughs> that being all part of the plan like um and then like that man loves what, an angle yeah yeah and, and and this conflict between between uh eleanor and scott and like i i'm 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 excited to see how these now we are really starting to weave the web and i'm excited yeah. to see what we catch in that web um mr scott is a severely overlooked character in the fandom and i Mm. i think it's a big shame and like i don't think it's subtle why the fandom doesn't talk about him and write about him in the same way that they do tons of other interesting characters on the show so Mm -hmm. like i do want to make sure that like we talk about him when he's doing shit and um I'm really, really excited to give that character the the spotlight he deserves on this podcast because he is a phenomenal character. For sure. And there are sure, plenty of sure. people out there talking about him. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. by and large, uh, I feel like he he's a little neglected in, in the fandom, uh, like discourse that happens around the show. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a shame. He's a phenomenal character. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to see more of him. Uh, and we will see more. In chapter five of of Black Sails, excited to 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 it, it, this this whole I think I've said it before. This whole watching one episode at a time is like really restricting. It, I really <laughs> I really want to watch more of this show. I think it's I think it's the best format for us. But boy, yeah, howdy. Ooh, excuse me. boy, howdy, I want I want more. Um, Going on from our last podcast ending pending, where we would have to watch like five episodes in a week sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going it is to nice like, and no, you're watching, <laughs> you're watching one and stopping. But on a show this good, it's tough. Right. We did we did the worst thing we could do, which is like, hey, take all these terrible shows and just cram as much of them into your brain as you possibly Shotgun. can. And we were like, oh, okay, I guess that's fine. And then it's like, oh, we're we'll going to do, do that a good for six show. years. We're going to do a good show, and it's just dangle. We just dangle <laughs> one, just one, just one little, 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 just. 
it's 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 cruel. It is cruel punishment, but it it's is, rough. It's a good show, and I'm and I'm happy to do it, and I'm happy to talk about it with you and all of our listeners. Um, I've gotten some messages from people who have like listened and and have said very nice things. Super appreciated if you've reached out and told yeah. us that you're listening and you like the show. We love to hear that. Uh, what we would love even more is if you give us a five star rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. I don't care which one. Um, yeah. If we see it, uh, maybe we'll read it out on the show. If you say nice things, uh, if you say really mean things, maybe we'll read that too and and make fun of you. But please don't do that. Yeah. Um, and like maybe maybe share it with a friend. If if you got a friend who who likes gay pirates, maybe say hey, check this podcast out. Um, if you're an our flag means death girly and you clicked on this by accident, oh. we might do that show after this. Um, we haven't discussed what we're going to do after Black Sails, but um, yeah. I think maybe cover Treasure Island and then maybe cover Our Flag Means Death. I don't know. Uh, it's a shame it got canceled, though. It's a, it's a huge shame. I mean, wh- whether or not we do it in between or or or, or, or afterward, like w- end of season one of Black Sails, I think it's good to take a little break. I, th- I think if we've learned one thing about podcasting, it's that doing back to back to back episodes for six years straight yeah. can kind of wear on you. So maybe we do a, a season of black sales and then we, we dip our toes in other stuff. Um, there's, there's lots of, I, I would love, I've watched only one episode of our flag means death. And so that is again, very, very ample. I would, I, I, I know more than I should. And I loved it. Sure. I just, it just didn't come at the right time to me. Uh, and I am uh, heartbroken about the recent news and, yeah, if, if nothing else, to get on that wagon, I'd, I'd love to to be a be a big advocate yeah, I, for that I, show. I think we'll we'll cover it at some point. Um, mm-hmm. I can't see us not talking about it, and sure. uh, it's very different from Black Sails. So I, I think there's room in your heart to love both. I know some fans of of either show tried to pit the fandoms against each other, and there's there's no need for that. You can love Star Trek and Star Wars; they're they're extremely mm-hmm. different. You can love Our Flag Means Death and Black Sails. They're extremely different. More gay pirates is a good thing. So um, uh, hoping, fingers crossed, that it gets to season three somewhere. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, stick around. We'll we'll probably cover that at some point. And uh, something that came up uh, in between us recording these episodes that we haven't really talked about. Black Sails is on Netflix now. Uh, Yes. Yes. They heard we were doing uh, this podcast and they put it on Netflix. They really, really wanted to catch to to coast off of our our amazing success. Uh, so there's no excuse. <laughs> Dive into this show with us, and uh, we'll be we'll be happy to have you along. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time for episode five, which is going to be a fucking banger. So mm-hmm. uh, if you've been watching along with us for the first time and haven't been uh, fully invested, uh, episode five is where if you don't like episode five, you're not going to love this show. Uh, I, I think it, it's it's mm. it's a great roadmap of like, hey, here's some fucking great pirate shit. Um, what do we say in the meantime, though, Ronnie? In the meantime, we say that we are your princes of the new world. I have been Ronnie. I'm Andy. Avast, G Maze. Avast. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Pirate shit. All the pirate shit.
Once again, we're asking all of our listeners to do whatever you can to demand a ceasefire in Gaza and an end to the genocide of Palestinians by the Israeli occupation forces. Call and email your government officials, post on social media, have those difficult conversations with friends and family. Ceasefire now, end the occupation, free Palestine. Thank you so much.